Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, July 3rd. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pinchas. Numbers 26, 1-32 After the plague had ended, the Lord said to Moses and to Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, From the whole community of Israel record the names of all the warriors by their families. List all the men twenty years old or older who are able to go to war. So there, on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho, Moses and Eleazar the priest issued these instructions to the leaders of Israel. List all the men of Israel twenty years old and older, just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is the record of all the descendants of Israel who came out of Egypt. These were the clans descended from the sons of Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, the Hanokite clan, named after their ancestor Hanok, the Palulite clan, named after their ancestor Palu, the Hezronite clan, named after their ancestor Hezron, the Carmite clan, named after their ancestor Carmi, These were the clans of Reuben. Their registered troops numbered 43,730. Palu was the ancestor of Eliab, 
and Eliab was the father of Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. This Dathan and Abiram are the same community leaders who conspired with Korah against Moses and Aaron, rebelling against the Lord. But the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them with Korah, and fire devoured 250 of their followers. This served as a warning to the entire nation of Israel. However, the sons of Korah did not die that day. The tribe of Simeon. These were the clans descended from the sons of Simeon. Jemuelite clan, named after their ancestor Jemuel. Jamanite clan, named after their ancestor Jamin. Jaconite clan, named after their ancestor Jachin. Zorahite clan, named after their ancestor Zohar. Shalite clan, named after their ancestor Shaul. These were the clans of Simeon. Their registered troops numbered 22,200. The tribe of Gad. These were the clans descended from the sons of Gad. The Zephonite clan, named after their ancestor Zephon. The Haggite clan, named after their ancestor Haggai. The Shunite clan, named after their ancestor Shunai. The Oznite clan, named after their ancestor Ozni. The Arite clan, named after their ancestor Arai. The Aradite clan, named after their ancestor Aradai. The Aralite clan, named after their ancestor Areli. These were the clans of Gad. Their registered troops numbered 40,500. The tribe of Judah. Judah had two sons, Ur and Onan, who had died in the land of Canaan. These were the clans descended from Judah's surviving sons, the Shelonite clan, named after their ancestor Shelah, the Perizzite clan, named after their ancestor Perez, the Zerahite clan, named after their ancestor Zerah. These were the subclans descended from the Perizzites, the Hezronites, named after their ancestor Hezron, the Hamulites, named after their ancestor Hamul. These were the clans of Judah, their registered troops numbered 76,500. The tribe of Issachar. These were the clans descended from the sons of Issachar, the Tolahite clan, named after their ancestor Tola, the Puite clan, named after their ancestor Pua, the Jashubite clan, named after their ancestor Jashub, the Shimronite clan, named after their ancestor Shimron, these were the clans of Issachar. Their registered troops numbered 64,300. The tribe of Zebulun. These were the clans descended from the sons of Zebulun. The Seredite clan, named after their ancestor Sered. The Elenite clan, named after their ancestor Elen. The Jalilite clan, named after their ancestor Jalil. These were the clans of Zebulun. Their registered troops numbered 60,500. The tribe of Manasseh. Two clans were descended from Joseph through Manasseh and Ephraim. These were the clans descended from Manasseh, the Macarite clan named after their ancestor Maker, the Gileadite clan named after their ancestor Gilead, Maker's son. These were the subclans descended from the Gileadites, 
the Lezerites, named after their ancestor Lezer, the Helicites, named after their ancestor Helic, the Asrielites, named after their ancestor Asriel, the Shechemites, named after their ancestor Shechem, the Shemadites, named after their ancestor Shemida, the Hepharites, named after their ancestor Hepher, one of Hepher's descendants. Zelophehad had no sons, but his daughters' names were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. These were the clans of Manasseh. Their registered troops numbered 52,700. 2 Kings 22, 3 to 23, 30. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah and grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, Go to Hilkiah the high priest and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple and trust this money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons. Also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple. But don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, I have found the book of the law, the Torah, in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, the Torah, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asiah, the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So Hilkiah the priest Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring on this city. So they took her message back to the king. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then the king instructed Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second rank and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the articles that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley, and he carried the ashes away to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah, for they had offered sacrifices at the pagan shrines throughout Judah, and even in the vicinity of Jerusalem. They had also offered sacrifices to Baal, and to the sun, the moon, the constellations, and to all the powers of the heavens. The king removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple, and took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley where he burned it. Then he ground the ashes of the pole to dust, and threw the dust over the graves of the people. He also tore down the living quarters of the male and female shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord, where the women wove coverings for the Asherah pole. Josiah brought to Jerusalem all the priests who were living in other towns of Judah. He also defiled the pagan shrines where they had offered sacrifices, all the way from Geba to Beersheba. He destroyed the shrines at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of Jerusalem. This gate was located to the left of the city gate as one enters the city. The priests who had served at the pagan shrines were not allowed to serve at the Lord's altar in Jerusalem, but they were allowed to eat unleavened bread with the other priests. Then the king defiled the altar of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire as an offering to Molech. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statues that the former kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. 
They were near the quarters of Nathan Melek, the eunuch, an officer of the court. The king also burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. Josiah tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtoreth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians, and for Chemish, the detestable god of the Moabites, and for Molech, the vile god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Then he desecrated these places by scattering human bones over them. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam son of Nebat had made when he caused Israel to sin. He burned down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. Then Josiah turned around and noticed several tombs in the side of the hill. He ordered that the bones be brought out, and he burned them on the altar at Bethel to desecrate it. This happened just as the Lord had promised through the man of God when Jeroboam stood beside the altar at the festival. Then Josiah turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted these things. What is that monument over there? Josiah asked. And the people of the town told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very things that you have just done to the altar at Bethel. Josiah replied, Leave it alone. Don't disturb his bones. So they did not burn his bones or those of the old prophet from Samaria. Then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, Shomron, just as he had done at Bethel. They had been built by the various kings of Israel and had made the Lord very angry. He executed the priests of the pagan shrines on their own altars, and he burned human bones on the altars to desecrate them. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as required in this book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah's reign, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since then. Even so, 
The Lord was very angry with Judah because of all the wicked things Manasseh had done to provoke him. For the Lord said, I will also banish Judah from my presence, just as I have banished Israel. And I will reject my chosen city of Jerusalem and the temple where my name was to be honored. The rest of the events in Josiah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. While Josiah was king, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to the Euphrates River to help the king of Assyria. King Josiah and his army marched out to fight him, but King Necho killed him when they met at Megiddo. Josiah's officers took his body back in a chariot from Megiddo to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land anointed Josiah's son Jehoahaz and made him the next king. Acts 21, 37-22-16 As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? The commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied, I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please, let me talk to these people. The commander agreed, so Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon, a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Yeshua, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. 
and that very moment I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak, for you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Psalm 1, 1-6 Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Proverbs 18, 11 and 12 The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. And this is a very profound couple of chapters that we read about with the reforms, actually the Reformation, that King Josiah brought about in the southern kingdom. And it all begins with a truth bomb. And what happened was there were very wicked kings that preceded him, King Manasseh and some other very wicked kings. And so there's been a couple of generations where these generations have completely fallen away from truth. They have fallen away from the Torah, from the Word of God, from the covenant that God made with his people. And so Josiah sends some men to go and do some cleanup and to start beginning the process of rebuilding and repairing the temple. And in the process of doing that, Shaphan finds a copy of the Torah scroll buried in the rubble of the temple. And Hilkiah gives this scroll to Shaphan, and Shaphan read it, and then he went to the king and he he gave this scroll to the king. When the king heard what was written in this Torah scroll, the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. He was led immediately to repentance. Basically, he said, the Lord's anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this book, in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. And so then he says, go consult with the prophet Huldah and see what she has to say. And Huldah basically says to them, okay, these judgments are still going to come upon Judah. But because you tore your clothing in despair and you wept before me in repentance, and I've heard you, I will not send that disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. So the judgment is still coming, but the judgment has been delayed. Now, 
I believe this is really a now word. We find our nation, the United States of America, and many other nations in a similar spot. Europe, the UK, Canada. Many of the nations, including the U.S., have departed from the Word of God. The Word of God has been taken out of the public square, and it's been replaced with ancient gods with a new color and a new look and feel. The ancient gods, Josiah went out and he literally began to pull them down, burn them up, scatter the ashes, and destroy them. He, he pulled down Asherah poles out of the Lord's temple. He defiled the altar of Topheth and the valley of Ben-Hinnom uh, so that a son or a daughter could no longer be given as an offering by fire to Molech. And so these ancient gods of Ashtoreth and Molech and Chemish and Asherah, he smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the poles and desecrated these places. He destroyed them. He began to remove the idols out of the landscape and the culture of Judah. Now, those same gods have reemerged. And there's a very good book you can read uh, written by Jonathan Kahn. It's called The Return of the Gods. And he goes into a really great description of how these ancient gods have reemerged with new garb, with new clothing, with a new look and feel. And so the new gods we seem to worship is the god of science. We put our faith in science and we put our faith in people like Dr. Fauci. And the gods of technology, that big tech and big pharma and, and, and the guys in the white coats, you know, the doctors and, and the pharma and um, the scientists, now that's who we worship. And so how do these gods manifest today in our culture and in the life of the public square? Well, we have a huge a lot of blood on our hands with all of the millions and millions of babies that have been aborted, murdered to the ancient god of Molech. But that's a god that wants blood. Baal and Molech wanted blood, and they would literally sacrifice their infant children to these gods. And we've done that today in the name of love of self. We will kill that baby in the womb. And also we're seeing these gods resurface with the LGBT movement, the transgender movement, with child mutilation, all of that. There are evil demonic spirits behind all of that. And so these gods have reemerged, these ancient gods with new, with just a new coat of paint. So we see that when the king read the, the Torah to the people, he, he pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. And in this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Now, this is a, a very important principle that doesn't get really taught in most mainstream churches. And that principle is this. Following the Torah, following the Bible, is about a relationship, a covenant 
relationship. When the Torah, the Ten Commandments, was given to the people from Mount Sinai, basically that was a marriage proposal, and the Ten Commandments were the covenant, the ketubah of the marriage. And when the people said, yes, we will obey, that was their yes, I do. I, I marry. I am now betrothed to the God of Israel. So following the Torah is not just following a set of rules. It's a relationship with the living father through his son, Yeshua. And it's about stepping into a marriage covenant until death do you part. But even after death, you don't part because it just continues. You have eternal, everlasting life. So it is an eternal covenant and it's based upon love, everlasting love, agape love. So because the king did all this and he pulled down the idols and pulled down the Asherah poles and burned up the altars and cleansed the land of all of these idols, the judgment was still going to come upon the nation and the people, but the judgment was delayed. Similarly, we see incredible sin throughout the nations. And I've mentioned some of that already in in what I've said. And so instead of pointing the finger and getting angry and being frustrated, the right response is we, we need to repent. Josiah himself didn't do all of those sins. He isn't the one who erected those idols. He isn't the one who went and made sacrifices at those Asherah poles. But yet, once he saw the sin and the Torah showed it to him, he went out and began to destroy them and pull them down. So our heart response, we need to repent on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our community, our state, our town where we live, our region where we are. We need to repent. We can do some prayer walking and walk the streets of our communities and where we see all those rainbows and LGBT and transgender stuff. We can prayer walk and repent and ask for God's mercy and and just repent over these things that we're seeing. Because these are things that just as it made, it brought great heartache and grief and then anger to the heart of God. Back then, imagine how it makes him feel even today. So one of the first things that Josiah had the people do after he demolished all of the shrines and the Asherah poles and all these idols, um, he returns to Jerusalem and then he issues this order to the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. And so that's one of the first things he has them do is to keep the Passover because the Passover is... Um, a prophetic action of stepping into God's covenant. It's, it's remembering the very first Exodus and how the children of Israel were slaves and then they left Egypt. And when we repent and we turn to God, we are leaving Egypt. We're leaving the world of sin. We're turning our back on it. And we're saying, I'm going to follow you, Yeshua. I want to follow you, and I want to be uh, walking in your ways and walking in your paths. 
And so in verse 25, it says, Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. That's huge. This king led them into a total reformation. And may we see something like that today. The word of God has gotten buried. It's hidden. It's under the rubble. It gets buried with busyness. We don't have time. Or when many times you go to a mainstream church and you might hear two verses in the sermon and that's it. And the rest of it is, you know, they're telling stories and making you feel good and telling you jokes. There's very little actual scripture in the message. And this is why it's so important to be in the Word of God, a good chunk every single day. It is life to your spirit. It's so important, not just once a week, but every day, every day to be in the Word. It feeds your spirit. It nourishes your spirit. It grows your spirit. It's going inside of you. It's going into your memory bank. It's going into your heart so that God can begin to speak to you through his word. May we see a reformation like what we saw in reading about Josiah in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. May the word of God get uncovered from the rubble. May we take it to heart. May we take it in. May we apply it to our lives. And may the idols of the land be taken down. May we begin through repentance and through prayer walking. Let it be so, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.